Bottoms up. This is Fred coming at you with our version of 38 Special. And some old rock and rollers might know that reference. Can you name a song? Hold on loosely, but don't okay. let go. Okay, all right. All right. So, yes, Bottoms up. In an unusually early Saturday morning recording, uh, we all still only have one eye open each, so it's it's kind of this strange thing. But one beer down already. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to my right, as usual, sometimes to my left, is Blado. Aiden Blado. Good morning. Oh, well, it is afternoon now. It's afternoon. It is afternoon. It's just early for us still. It's beer third, no. beer 17 afternoon. <laughs> and across from me, as usual, Nobs. Hey. How's it going? It's good. It's real good. All right. All right. So, here we are. We got a lot of fun planned today. Big fun planned today. Tell me about said fun. Uh, well, here we are in Knob's hometown of Port Huron-ish. Right? Ish, yeah, yeah. Close enough. Uh, but today we are, um, after we wrap up uh, this segment, we're heading over to the Port Huron Beer Fest um, that we talked about uh, last week uh, with Andy from the Wolverine Market. Uh, episode 37.5 on yeah. your FM dial. Highly recommend listening to Andy. We talked, we, we, we really covered everything Michigan beer. Yeah. I mean, not just the festival. We talked about the craft beer industry in yeah. general. We talked about Michigan. You know, we talked about his shop. Yeah. Um, you, you know, what people uh, prefer, what they don't prefer, things like that. So, And he was awesome. So, again, shout out to Andy. Thanks so much for your time and your input on the uh, Bottoms Up podcast. Yeah, it was uh, very uh, interesting t- um, interview. I mean, I think we all kind of went into it not sure we didn't know being totally right. sure what was going to come out of it, and it just turned into a great piece and very entertaining. A lot of great information. Yeah, no, I thought so he too. He knew his stuff, yeah. so that yeah. that definitely very knowledgeable. Yeah, that definitely made for a great show. So he did all the work for us, really. Yeah, it's kind of nice. So then, uh, you know, that was about also the. The Port Huron Beer Festival, which takes place today. Right. So we're, we're heading over there, and uh, we're going to attempt, and and uh, you know you'll see or you'll listen later on in the episode to see how it pans out. But we hope to do sort of roving interviews with folks on the street and um, you know the beer craft makers and whatnot, talking about um, their industry and their products. And, um, and and then it's going to be up to knobs to splice it all together and make it sound awesome. Are we also going to be talking to some happy-go-lucky uh, Michigan craft beer drunks? So uh, I I may be one of those. Uh, but, but yeah, right. No, we want to talk to yeah the people drinking as well as the people making. And um, I don't know what the reaction is going to be when we put a microphone under their nose and say, we're from Pottoms Up. <laughs> Uh, can we do it without a license? Is, uh, I don't even know if it's legal. We'll, we'll just file it under our trademark. <laughs> That's all inclusive, right? We just everything is TM'd. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do the TMs. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. I mean, if I, not, we'll find out. No, I think it is fine. <laughs> I just was, you know, you know, walking around interviewing people, and in today's world, people get a little, you know, like what? Yeah, well, you know. I don't think well, so. I think we'll, beer drinkers we'll are our united community, and it will be great. It'll probably we'll, get easier the longer we're at the festival. We'll assure them that we're going <laughs> to pixel, we'll pixelate their voice. 
<laughs> so, so everyone's identity is kept <laughs> like, like kept a, safe. when they do like a really low voices. We'll protect them like they're whistleblowers. <laughs> what? Or not? Did, what did you say? Did you say whistleblower? <laughs> Whistle? I, I haven't heard that term in years. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to talk about whistleblowing. Okay. Uh, but we got to get to. Um, our, our first beer review, even before we get to the festival, which, you know, we weren't sure we were going to do this because we know we're going to try so many beers at the uh-huh. festival, right? We're going to at least try 15. Isn't that what our ticket covers, right? Yeah. So, well, we have 15 tokens. I'm not sure how many beers that equates to if it's just one well, token per beer. Or... four ounce. So it works out to four and a half beers, essentially, but... You will be surprised what that will do to you. I think it's, it, it's just, it's the amount of beer that you get in and your body processes. It, it's something about. Is it one token though? One token for, for like four a, ounces. Sort of like a four ounce. See, you can't day. try 15 beers, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So, well, we've got DDs lined up. So. so, for all you young boys and girls out there, we're yeah. being responsible. Always be responsible. We got Shells, a, a former special guest of the show, yep. volunteered to pick us up and uh, strap us to the hood of the car like a deer during deer season. <laughs> like Granny? Yeah. Uh, Anyways, Nobs uh, provided... So we do. Beer. We still have our, our first beer. Yes. yes. We still got to do a Pottoms Up beer. And pre-game. Yeah, pre-game. Our pre-fest. Pre, pre-game. This is New Holland Tangerine Space Machine. New England style IPA. All right, um, and and in full disclosure, this is what you had in your refrigerator. Yes, this was unplanned, <laughs> and because uh, we were so excited about the, the the Poho Beer Fest, we never really discussed. Oh, we need a a beer. So I think this was left over from the housewarming party. Someone uh, else brought it over, and there happened to be three cans left, and we haven't had it before, so it works out. Serendipity, right? Yeah. So, wow, big word, Fred. Six point eight percent. We like that. Forty yes. IBU. Oh, that's, that's it's a little on the high side, but because uh, it's a New England IPA, so it will be very hoppy. It no, should be. I'm gonna roll it. We we've done that already. I pre-rolled yours. Oh, you pre-rolled mine? I Look rolled you. it and I sent it your way and I grabbed yours. And... So uh, it's uh, natural flavors of tangerine. It's kind of a summer beer, and hate to say it, but. It might be over, yeah, right? It's not really looking summer like anymore. summer out there today. I mean, technically, it's not summer, right? We passed oh, right. first day of fall, but uh, the autumnal up here in the Poho area, we're in the low 60s uh, right now. Uh, but you know what? That is nice beer fest weather, and it's probably going to creep up to the high 60s. And yeah, mid to high 60s. And it's at a beautiful park, and we're, we're going to be right on the water, so yeah. I'm going to expect some breeze. Yeah, and hopefully the breeze is down a little bit because we do have this uh, new remote microphone that we're going <laughs> to testing out. Yes. Uh, you, you tasted yours first there. Now, what did we have? Uh, it is light. Mm. Um, not as much flavor as I thought there was going to be. Good good flavor. Just, yeah. just not as much as I thought it was going to be. Not as bitter as I thought either. Not as bitter as I thought, uh, but I think it's got a lot of flavor. I, the, the tangerine jumps right out at me. Oh. Here I am drinking out of a can. Heathen. <laughs> the can's got a lot of flavor. Maybe you lose the, maybe the aluminium. It just jumps right out with the tangerine. Maybe you lose the flavor when you pour it into the into the pint. I don't know. All right, now That's I'm nice. So bet. you go you go next there, Fred, because I'm still figuring out how to drink. I, 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 I've got to differ with knobs as well. I think it has a nice uh, tangerine up front flavor. 
Um, it's pretty tasty, crisp. I mm -hmm. like it. Um, nice color. Great color. I like that color. It's hazy. It has a like perfect a, like head, a new about yeah. a half inch of head poured up nice on it, and, and it's maintaining it, which I kind of like the whole visual thing. So mine yeah. went away real quick. And and, and I wrong glass. Yeah. I I don't think there's anything I've had from New Holland that I don't like. I, I think they're very a very consistent brewery. They when they put something out there new, I you can almost be assured you're going to like it. So. Are they going to be at the fest today? Do we know? I thought they were. Yeah. There's a lot of big names. Yes. Like, uh, and then, of course, the small ones. So, yeah, I would be surprised if they are. You know what I wanted to do today is with the, as far as the tokens go, there's going to be 40 breweries there with approximately 200 beers, according to Andy. I wanted to try and do 15 that are just out of my wheelhouse. Like, he was talking about sours. Mm -hmm. in our interview it's like i think i had a sour once and i thought i'm gonna go out of my way to try and use my tokens on things like that that i instead of going to the ipas which is natural for me i want to try and right seek out the things that would not be in yeah. my wheelhouse and i've never tried before yeah. so that's yeah. well, that's what i was saying about you the other day is i saw dragon mead was going to be there and he listed all the beers and i'm like oh cool like they have final absolution there but I've had that, that so many times. Like, I need to right. not go to what I've had yeah. a whole bunch already. Yeah, because I think the re normally if I go to something like this, I would go to my wheelhouse. But just listening to Andy, he got me thinking about all these different things. And I'm like, you know, that to me, that's sort of the spirit of this is to go and get educated on some different styles or whatever that I mm -hmm. would normally do. So Now, Fred, you've been to Beer Fest before. I, I don't yes. think I have ever been to a Beer Fest. I mean, I, I, nothing comes to mind that I've done something. You, you, know. you probably have just forgot it though. <laughs> but just for the sole purpose of, of, you know, going to taste beers mm -hmm. and, and the way this is set up, like other beer festivals are. So, well, he um, said they modeled after uh, Michigan Brewers Guild, and those right. are the ones that I've been to. Yeah, and and so I, I hadn't really thought about am I going to stick to things that I like, but no, I, I guess the the point of it is to try new stuff, right? I mean, I, I never uh, approached it like that before. I would just jump in and look for the highest alcohol and the darkest beer. <laughs> but when so you that was what I did. When when you, when you mentioned you know Dragon Mead being there, I'm thinking, well, I hope they have Holy Smoke. Because I love Holy Smoke, but I, you know, I right. can't find it anywhere, right? So that would be one where I would, I know what I'm getting, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay a token down on that, just to enjoy it, you know. Well, you might even do two tokens and get eight ounces. All right, maybe I won't do 15 <laughs> totally. Out of thing. I may do a couple Homer beers and get something I like to get the, the day started, but my goal is to. Do the the high percentage on things I've never had. I do love the cool weather because you know I'm I'm really ready to get back into the darker beers and, and the porter. Oh. No. <laughs> okay, are we no. taking a bow right now? Yes. Nothing. No pumpkin spice. spice. <laughs> no pumpkin spice. Anything. Okay, I can agree to that. Uh, I can easily agree to that. Uh, funny, I mentioned that to uh, friends this weekend as a as a possible cultural topic uh, oh, later yeah, on this yeah. month and they thought oh yeah that's you, you got to do that one yeah. so well, stay you, tuned for you that. were talking about that now. yeah yeah, yeah. he mentioned it the night said do you think there's a topic there and they're like oh yeah <laughs> so. the only pumpkin thing you should ever have is maybe pumpkin pie with some cool wood uh correct correct uh, beside beyond that i'm not sure why you'd want to eat that or drink that so um 
I haven't really given a review yet. I, actually, I'm pretty. I, I like this beer. I like this. I, I like the tangerine uh, flavor in it. It's a 40 IBU, but it's definitely not bitter. No, not at all. You know, and and and, and maybe you know the evolution of Bolado with the IPAs. I've, I've gone maybe so from hoppy to less bitter. Like mm-hmm. maybe I was hung up before on the bitterness, and hops are okay. I mean, 40 not. You know, it's not like chewing on a you know a weed. It's more like middle of the range, isn't it? it yeah, I mean, you know, Fred, you know, 70 is pretty high IBUs. You know, but when I'm picking a beer out, if I want low IBUs, I'm still looking at 20 and less, yeah. right? So, so 40 is still. But no, I think it's a very drinkable beer. I don't think you this know. is bitter at all. No, not at all. It's no, it's very well smooth. balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, that's why I would describe it. Yeah. yeah, I would say it's for me. Not my oh, favorite. Oh, now you do. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> it's it's certain pressure. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I'll not. Push. It's not my favorite New England IPA, but it's like you said, it's very drinkable. Well, it's not an M forty three. I don't want to. I didn't want to compare it. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Well, I know what you were thinking. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about this is it it's pulpy looking, but it's not pulpy tasting. A lot of the uh, New England IPAs, you got to roll and flip the can to get all that pulp and sediment to pour with the beer into your glass. But I I didn't really notice it with this. I'm pouring the, I'm, I'm trying to shake the rest out of it out chunk, of the can, no you know? Chunk. No chunks. Are you that desperate for more beer? Um, yeah, what, what, what time are we rolling? <laughs> okay. Whistleblower. Mm. What a week. Actually, what a four-day period. I mean. With no news at all. it's you know this administration there have been just so many scandals after scandals after scandal right I mean that's and and who really would have thought that this was the one that was going to stick the most or appears to have stuck the most or has the most yeah. the, the the greatest potential for ramifications i said the exact same thing to a friend and co-worker of mine i was like of all the things this is what they're going to stick them on but ah you're getting ahead of yourself there there this is no different than the russia thing right the difference between this and the russia thing is the thing with russia happened in the past and they were trying to find stuff that had gone on in the past this thing's going on it's in real time ongoing. right in front of us but it, it technically should we say what this is this is collusion 2.0 is what this is it's just it's the same thing as what they did with russia essentially i i don't know that i agree with that fred this is corruption this and, and we know he's corrupt but this is blatant corruption and you, you know uh I forgot uh, who was it, who I heard it being interviewed, or maybe it was part of the inquiry. It was part of the inquiry to the DNI guy, the McGuire. Now watch that. And they, and they asked him, you know, what the definition of corruption was, and they gave him a definition of corruption, and that's what this is. The collusion, we we believe there was corruption there because, I, I guess, I mean, I, I still think that he has been sucking up to Russia because he wants to. You know, someday invest in Moscow. He wants the. T- he's still doing it for his own personal gain, right? Well, he wasn't doing it to get reelected. He's doing it because he wants 
to you know build a tower in Moscow, and by currying favor, he's going to be able to. This whole thing is for his business. This whole presidential thing right. is for and, his and, business. And, he doesn't and, care about running a country. And what what the Trumpsters have missed is that has always been his mo. Mm-hmm. Like this this nonsense that he is doing anything for the people is where we get so frustrated, right? That's that's no, he does not care about you. You know, he never has, he never will. And so now you're, you know, there's finally a really, really black and white example, although they try and put it in shades of gray, of absolutely doing that, of that corruption of, you know what, I'm going to use whatever tools I have, and now he has the full weight of the U.S. government as a tool Mm -hmm. to get what I want, you know. And, I mean, I I, I guess it, it does say one thing. Uh, I, I guess, and I haven't heard this angle on the news, is it does kind of prove that he does want to remain being president. <laughs> right. Where, where there are times where I'm not sure he wanted to be president. Right. Now, he doesn't like to lose. Like, there's the, the ego, right, doesn't is, comes into play here. But obviously, he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't want to really be president next time around to have somebody dig up dirt on, on an opponent. Well, another thing, and since I brought up the parallel with the Russian thing, there is another difference which is probably more important than anything else. When the Russian thing was going on, well, this is two parts, actually. He he was a candidate. He was not the president. Mm-hmm. And also, he had his flunkies and his family. Those are the ones who were mainly involved with Russia, whereas with the Ukraine thing, it's him. It, 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 he's, well, a, again, yeah. it's two prong. He is now president, like you say, right. using the weight of the, the government, and he's doing it. it. It's Nobody's doing it around him. It's him directly caught in this snare. Yeah. I guess that those would be the differences, but at its basis, it's still, it's, it's collusion 2.0. It's, it's very similar to Russia in a lot of ways. And and he did it like right after Mueller. Uh, right after. The day after Mueller testified. Yeah. He no. thought, I'm going to get away with it. I'm going right back in there, and jumping there, in. It's, there was it's an, amazing. There was an article I read, uh, and uh, maybe I'll dig it up, um, but I'm pretty sure I did uh, post it, about the one thing that the Trump administration has done and has shown more than any other previous administration whether there's a scandal or not, uh, and especially when there have been scandals, no shame. Oh. Just the idea of of feeling shame on behalf of who you are and what you represent and what you're doing, uh, that has that that is completely void mm-hmm. in 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 Trump and the people that he has infected with Trump virus. And it, it just namely the GOP, especially especially the you know, but everybody, right? I, I mean, just the idea, you know, I, I'm not I, I'm not sure that another president at this point in time would resign over this, but you would certainly see some level of I don't know if you get an apology or whatever, but everything is just double down, and I don't care what you think. There's just absolutely no shame in, in 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 this cadre of crooks. Well, there's two reasons. He's incapable of apologizing or, or being yeah. contrite. 
And the second thing is if he were to resign, indictments start flying. So he he has <laughs> a vested interest in winning 2020 and getting beyond this impeachment crap is because if he leaves office, there's going to be indictments. Maybe. I believe. I don't know. I think there will be somewhere. With the Cohen thing, I think that's going to get I, I just don't. I, I I don't know. Well, for another day. We'll yeah, right but, right. but my point is is that, like, like I say, he's incapable of any contrition. He, he's just yes. not in his DNA, so don't hold your breath. It's not going to happen. So. Um, so. Where do you think, what, what do you, I mean, it seems like the, the next steps are happening the way we want them to happen. Speed is kind of what's, what's, here, yeah, here's next week. There's the house is supposed to be off on vacation, but they're holding hearings next mm-hmm. week. And, um, you know, they've sub, sub, subpoenaed the State Department. Pompeo. Uh, you, you know, you keep, you, you keep mentioning the Russian thing, Rudy. Should we, I mean, at this point in time, should we be, Reviewing and and maybe not the public, but should the Senate Intelligence Committee and the House Intelligence Committee start to review those transcripts between Trump and Putin? Oh, absolutely. And with the uh, I mean MBS. Here, here, here's um Saudis because they've got them hidden in that mm-hmm. super Se- secret okay so, secret server secret square. I mean, but the secret server was around before Trump. Yes, and it's for you know highly classified information. Do we have a right to know? Like, do should should all conversations between a president and another foreign leader be made public? But there is there is there is there something in an after the fact? Like, if they're in the middle of an operation, of course not, right? Can't 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 not, not yeah. an operation. No, no, no. I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying in general. If there are things that are ongoing, of course not. Mm-hmm. But anything that is now like historical. And historical could be a month ago. You know, do we want to start having that level of transparency with our government? No. See, I'm, I was looking at you now because I could see the wheels turning there a little bit. No, yeah. I do not think every phone call like that should be made public. But I do think there should be audio recording stored indefinitely that is available for review at request by committees. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't know who that and, would and, be and, necessarily. And then, eventually, but, and then eventually the public. Well, yeah. I just, I, and I don't know how long that would take right, necessarily. Right. No, everything's but, different. Everything, everything's yeah, circumstances. Let, let's take this phone call as a, a working point. There was nothing, as far as we know, in that conversation that was considered classified. Right. But yet they stored it on that super uber classified server. Why did they do it if it wasn't classified? Oh no, no, it's, there's a cover up here. Yeah. For oh, sure. No, no. But what I'm saying is, is by them taking it and transferring it into that server, there, there's a, um, a presidential order or something to the effect that you can't do that stuff. Right. No. They, what they have done. I mean, this is where you get into breaking policy, breaking laws. Like, is it you know? Is there really a law broken? You know, in the inner government, enforcing laws for policing themselves just doesn't really seem to happen. You almost have to break civilian type of laws in order to be held accountable. I'm not saying that's right, okay? And I don't believe it. But, you know, kind of like the Hatch Act. 
Right. That's a, that's a perfect example. You break the Hatch Act all day long. It's a law, right? There's a statute on punishment, but nobody's getting punished for the Hatch Act, right? You get your lips, your your wrists slapped, right? So your lips. You get your lips slapped. Well, get your lips burnt. <laughs> Another story. Another story. Private jokes there, but that even makes it sound worse. So. <laughs> I am not a part of that. No, you are not. No, no. I got sunburned this weekend. My my lip got sunburned this weekend. It's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> lips is one of those words they just leave out, right? You don't you don't ever talk about it. My my bad. But anyway, so so things like that. If 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 they broke a law or a policy or a rule about putting it in the wrong server or a server that they shouldn't have, or, or, or same thing, people using their personal emails when they shouldn't. You know, there, there isn't very much punishment for those kinds of acts on self-governing kind of, of, of in, uh, infractions. Maybe there should be, maybe there shouldn't be. I mean, maybe, you know, it should be you, you lose your job. You know, that's, you know, Kellyanne Conway should have lost her job. You know, I, I don't know that she should have spent, you know, you know, five nights in the, you know, pokey for, you know, promoting somebody's campaign while she's a, a, a White House administrator. I think we're at that point, though. <laughs> <laughs> you go for it. No, no you, you had brought this up on Facebook and I completely agree with it. They're at the point now, it, it, as we're moving into this impeachment process, they're starting to call people like Pompeo, uh-huh. and they're going to ask for a bar, and they're going to get Giuliani, and it's going to be that same shit, shit show circus with saying, we're not going to answer. You know what? Arrest them and throw them in the jail. And, we're and, at the point where um, they. No. I, I think the Dems have momentum. They have... They're getting people on their side. They get, people, they're getting some the public on their side Public. Now. Sentiment has changed dramatically in four days since they. I heard one poll uh, impeachment went up like twelve percent, and then there was like some pushback on that, some fake news stuff. But whatever, around seven, six, seven points up in four days, in uh, against dropped the same amount. And and let's remember, I mean, there's always the base. Like you're never going to get past the base. Right. I mean, people were still supporting Nixon up until he resigned. And probably even after he resigned, right? So, you know, the the base is always going to stand with their guy. You know. Did you guys watch the hearings with the? I watched most of it. The acting DNI. I watched most of it. it. I kind of felt bad for the dude in a lot of ways because I think this whistleblower thing came out on like the 12th of August, and on the 16th of August he took office. I mean, it was kind of dumped in his lap. And he seemed like a pretty straight shooter. He's one of these guys. Because he's military. That's exactly right. And look at the military guys that Trump has gone through. Mm -hmm. Like, there's none anymore, right? No. (laughs) Am am, am I thinking, I mean, you know, all of these great military generals and, and, um, uh, you know, military slash politicians that he's had in his ranks, they have all decided to leave one way or another. And when we first realized that we're going to be under the rule of Trump, there was all this, uh, you know, uh, 
feeling of, okay, we're going to be okay because he's surrounding himself by good people and they're military people and they have a lot of integrity. Some didn't necessarily, but some tried to toe the line until they were out. I think he kind of falls in, you know, in that category. Um, he wants to, um, uh, to main, re maintain his integrity, but uh, it's getting really hard for him to do that. Um, I, I did. I did want somebody to ask him this question, and maybe they did, and I missed it because I, I wasn't able to, to watch 100% of it. Was okay. You're saying basically the whole premise of his argument was this dealt with possible executive privilege. And so he has to take it to those that can waive executive privilege. Where is that in the whistleblower law? No, it's not. But here's it, but it doesn't give you that option. No, no, no. I, I agree. But but then but then here's the question that I wanted to hear someone ask and him reply to. If someone believes that the president has broken the law, but it does infringe upon executive privilege, which it probably would. It's hard to imagine a situation where executive privilege wouldn't come in to the president saying something or doing something that is blatantly illegal. You almost always would have the problem with the president and executive privilege. So, so how does a whistleblower come forward if I'm, I'm the president if you're concerned about executive privilege. But see, that, the that's thing, the question that I wanted him to answer. And I wanted him to answer basically, there, there is, there, there's no way to do it. You have to go check out executive privilege. I mean, in fact, he even said that the executive privilege was broken only after Trump said, we'll release the transcript. So this was another part that bothered me. The 30 days or whatever it is that he had this information and, and didn't turn it over to the Senate Intelligence Committee, it wasn't because they actually decided that executive, because remember he kept saying they were, they were working on, on, on how, to, how to figure out what was executive privilege, right? They were, they were, they were figuring out the process of, of the executive privilege. And then that didn't matter anymore because Trump just blurts out the next day, we're going to release the transcript. So, so I would have liked to have known, like, what was happening in those 30 days? And he, and he never gave an answer on that, right? What was happening in those 30 days to, to waive the executive privilege? And if the president never waives the executive privilege, what happens? Here's the, here's the rub, though. I gave you the rub. You're no, going to give me another I'm rub? Gonna, I'm going to rub you again. Here's, whoa, the, whoa, rub. Whoa, here's yeah. the rub with... <laughs> Am I going to get another sunburn on my lips? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's a friction burn. <laughs> See, you should not have brought up lips. Think of what you just. Did. I know. I know. The problem I with shot myself in the lip. executive privilege <laughs> is it doesn't exist if it's trying to cover up a law being broken okay. or okay. a scandal. That's why the the whole thirty days saying is it executive privilege or not. Okay. So right now, so it, it shouldn't be applicable because right. you've got okay. a situation where right. there's probably a law. Or something is being violated, but executive privilege should be out the window. Okay, but here's the thing. Because it doesn't. Here's apply. the catch twenty-two. Here's the catch twenty-two on that. Okay, so yeah, executive privilege doesn't apply to things that are criminal. Right. But you don't know they're criminal. But you don't know they're criminal until you have a trial, until you have evidence, until you. So you have to bring it forward. Okay. Then 
And, and okay, then I'll, I'll, here's another problem I have with it, is if, if, if the idea is executive privilege is maintained unless you uh, are doing something criminal, but criminality is not determined until what? The DOJ? So you're, what you're telling me, and really what happened in this situation, was as long as the president and the DOJ are in cahoots, they, they are protected. They are 100% protected because it's the DOJ. It's their responsibility. To say, okay, this is criminal and, and that uh, executive privilege no, doesn't, doesn't hold up, right? But if the DOJ, and this is what happened here, right? The DOJ says nothing, nothing criminal. Nothing here. Nothing here. Move along. And, and so, you know, I mean, again, it was, it was reporting that brought this forward, right? I mean, basically the Senate Intelligence Committee was like, we hear there's a whistleblower thing out there. How come we haven't got a piece of it? And then I think the press ran from it from there, I, I believe. You know, I, I don't really yeah, know. I don't Thank, know thankfully, it did kind of come to light. But, yeah, I, I, I'm certainly not comfortable in today's political environment saying that the DOJ, for any president, right, he's going to put his guy in there. And if his guy, I mean, I, I you know, do I think that, Eric Holder was probably somewhat loyal to Obama. Yeah. Yep. Right. I agree. Yep. So, so you know, somehow or another, well, there he has wasn't to be a Bill Barr. There, no, no, no. But somehow or another, there has to be another check and balance when it's the president, besides the DOJ, to determine this is criminal. So therefore, executive privilege doesn't apply. And, and as a matter of fact, McGuire even said that a couple times. He said, if you guys want to rewrite the laws and the rules, go ahead. But I'm, I'm going with the, the laws and the rules. Now, he still didn't. I mean, to me, it's still very black and white. Shall means shall, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and he kept going back to the not to the shall part, but I can't waive executive privilege. Uh, I, I didn't buy that argument. Uh, I do give him, like you said, maybe a little bit of sympathy because he, everything is unprecedented, right? I mean, is he going to be the guy to bring down the president? Well, you keep hearing everybody say that when the, the Constitution was written by the framers, that they had no concept of the president being the target of something like this. The, you know what I mean? And so it's like nobody really knows what to do. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I think the I think the framers were concerned about executive overreach. That what if you had a corrupt president? That's why they put the House in place to be that check and balance. I think it's why they gave uh, the powers of impeachment such the length stress that they have. Um, I, I think for that, the very reason. Like the, I mean, because they were used to dealing with kings. Exactly. I, I think that they were concerned about, uh, pro probably more so than any other level of corruption, was corruption at the top. Um, but when you surround yourself by people that are going to protect you, it really makes it hard, you know. You, you, I think that might be the, the part that they didn't anticipate that's would the part. be a president being surrounded by people that would protect him and support him so much. Uh, Everyone would expect you know, to, okay, there's a corrupt president, turn on him, not support him. Yes. Yeah. You know, you, you had mentioned, uh, Fred, about the subpoenas and throwing people in jail because they're not following subpoenas. 
I don't know what the rules are on that. I, I don't think they're as black and white as that. That if you don't meet us, like if you and I don't meet a subpoena, like I'd sue my contractor, right? He doesn't show up to court, okay? Now he's got a bench warrant out for him, right? That's, I, I think, again, that that intergovernment circle doesn't really apply. Well, and maybe it should, I but it doesn't. That, I think that they're in an, an impeachment inquiry and contempt of Congress, I would bet well, that they they have the ability to have the sergeant of arms or whatever and go out and not gonna happen. Well it's, come on, it's I, just not gonna happen. I think though if they did something like that, it would be shock and awe. It, it's just like dear leader, he he thought that Pelosi and them were bluffing, that they wouldn't go They want to make a deal. Yeah, they wanted to make a deal on a phone call. <laughs> And, and I think it's caught him off guard. And you know she's telling the truth. Yeah. Oh, you know she is. Yeah. And, and I think it's caught him off guard. Same thing here. It's like, all right, Pompeo, if he ignores the subpoena, I say just arrest him. Even if he's in jail for <laughs> four you, that's, minutes. No, that's not going to happen. I think they should. Even I, if I'm not even sure it should, but it's just I, not going to here, It's just shocking off. It's like pushback. you got to push back. Here's your, what I like about it. A bunch of... PUSs push back for a change. Here's here's and they're in a perfect position to do it. I, I don't know. Here's what here's here's what I think. What I like the way Adam Schiff is talking right now. And I think Pelosi is he, isn't he going to resign? Uh, oh yeah. No, he's going to be arrested. Uh, <laughs> I saw it today on Facebook. They're yeah. they're going to get him. The GOP is yeah. going to get him. Well, yeah. Trump's asking him to yeah. resign. So. Oh, because he's so little. Yeah. Little. <laughs> Did you see the, a little hyphen? Did you see what my sister-in-law did? She looked up in the Ur- Urban Dictionary for little L I D D L. Double D, yeah. Did, no, did I didn't see, see that. It? I, no, I saw it. She 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 put it on my post, but I didn't see what it was. It's if I understand it correctly, it's it's something a younger child would do where they invert themselves naked against the wall and masturbate. I'm not joking. <laughs> It's something weird. Pot them up. Look it up. Pot them up, I guess. Uh, we don't, we not, don't get to drop an M every once in a while on the show. I'm not joking. <laughs> I wish you were. Okay, now you've made me lose my train of thought and some bizarre visual. But, um, no, here's, here's, here's what Schiff and Pelosi have kind of said. If they pull those shenanigans, they're not going to have them arrested, but it piles onto now an obstruction for another article. For another article. I mean, that's that's the box that the administration is going to find themselves in. And I think I think again, the people, the majority of the people, the not the 37% base, but the 63% of the other non-base, they're going to understand that. They're going to say, "Why aren't you talking to con-? like you know, these these other subpoenas and the Russian collusion thing." Here, but I don't get this. Help me out, somebody. Why do I keep hearing the mainstream media say Russian collusion was too complicated, and 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 that 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 people understand this, and they, you know, they're 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 grabbing onto this because it's so much more simplistic than the Russian. I don't think the Russian thing was complicated. No. At its core, we already talked about it. At its core, we know what it's about. I mean. You know, no, like in terms of proof and evidence and all that stuff, right? But we know what it was about. Why is this? Why wasn't that easy for the public to grasp? 
At least that's what the media is saying. I don't know if I buy it. The public's not doing a podcast on this on a weekly basis. It seems like everybody is. <laughs> what? I think part of the complexity, no. the problem with the Russian thing, and it kind of harkens back to what I said earlier, it happened over X amount of history. There was a, all those contacts. It was... It was um, leaked out and drip and drab. It was just little small bits and pieces, and it, it was complicated with all the the, the uh, characters that are involved. In in contrast, this but there were there were there person were, right doing the same. Well, thing. no, it is a little. But when you get another whistleblower complaint, it is a little complicated. Question: Do you think the Mueller report weakened the Russian collusion? No, and that's why they didn't go for it. I, I think a four hundred and fifty. Or a 448 page report, it, it, it overwhelms people and people are not going to read it, regardless of what's in there that would be to their benefit. But here you have it, it's just boiled down, it's simple. You got a nine page whistleblower report, you got a one, what is it? I don't know what the cover letter was. That was only. But the Mueller report tried to make it as simple as possible. I mean that's that's the part no, that bothers the, me about it. It was the, they, the, the bar report did. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and that's they that, tried to make. And that's my point. Is I think this whole Mueller report just kind of watered down the Russian I, collusion thing, and it I just think also too this long. is this is a steamroll, right? There's part of it that yeah, the, the length of time has watered down the Mueller thing. You know, th this is definitely freight train. Yeah. You know, kind of, what I so I think you did you listen. To the whistleblower report, I did. I downloaded it. I listened to it loud, twenty nine minutes, and I listened to it probably actually twice. <laughs> and I did that for a reason, to show that anybody has time to do it. <laughs> and, and if you don't have time to do twenty nine minutes, it's your own fault. You crack me up, Fred. No, it's true. I did it to prove that anybody has time. Anybody has time. Well, I read it. Well, I, don't, I started to read. I it. don't read, so I started to I read it. And when then I, heard I got distracted. Audio, I'm like, hell yeah, audio. <laughs> I'm all over it. So I started to read it, and then I got distracted. Yeah. And then I decided to. But I, I was more interested in listening to it because of the way Maddow had described it, like a spy novel. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely sounds like a spy novel. It gets a little murky with all of the Ukrainian and Russian names involved. Yeah, that's the hard part. But but still, it does, it, it, it does read like a spy novel. Um, the other thing that... Uh, I was really sort of fascinated by was how close the whistleblower report matched the readout that they gave. Yep. Like, the, the, well, you might you they might keep saying it's secondhand information. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It's still dead on. It's dead on. <laughs> I mean, crowd strike everything. Verbatim. I mean, I mean this, you know, this guy put together this whistleblower uh, complaint between April yep. and. August I'm 25 July is when the call was made. The call. What do you mean the call? The call. Oh no 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 no! But the whistleblower no after the whistle. So he he. I'm I'm trying. When when did the whistleblower? Uh, when did put the, his report together? Oh that. Well, when was it submitted? I believe it was August twelfth yeah. or something like. So that. he put it together between. Did he put it together between the call and then? Even though we went back in time and put all you know. So he put it together well before the transcript came out. 
right. so-called transcript, right? So that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. And yes, when you look at what he describes and then just what, what we know was in that phone call, it's just dead on. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can you can latch on to hearsay as much as you can, but uh, as much as you want, but it doesn't it doesn't fly. You know, with with the the audio reading of the complaint that came out, I thought about it. It's like, okay, if you're a Trumpster, you're pissed that they're going after him, and you're pissed because you're getting a spin from Fox and Breitbart, etc., on what's going on. And I was thinking, how about you guys sack up here one hour of your life to make sure you're mad at the right things. Listen to a 29-minute uh, whistleblower complaint. Read a five-page... IG report. No, no, no. The five-page phone call. Oh. The, the notes from the phone call. And a five-page cover letter from the ICIG. One hour of your time. And then tell me... What are you pissed about? He he did it. They did it. It's right there. It's and they're covering simple. it up. And they're covering it up. It's very simple. And it's not me. It's not CNN. It's not MSNBC saying this. It's there. It's right there. And Rudy and Dear Leader have both publicly fessed up to it. So what part, A, don't you understand, and B, can't you accept? It's an hour of your time. Don't be mad at us. Look at what's there. And then, uh, you know what I'm saying? Are yeah. Like, yeah, but mm-hmm. they... They won't. They, they won't, or they can't, or even if they did, they, they're, they're still changing. That 37 is not changing. No. No. Yeah. Okay, so prognostication time. What's going to happen? Nostradamus. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Um, he's in, he's going to be impeached. Uh, Senate will not convict, right? I'm not even sure the Senate's going to take it up because, from what I've been hearing, they don't have to. So I, I, I thought, I've heard I mixed things. They had to. Well, I, no. I, I was I was reading something that yeah, he can ignore it again. I, I think McConnell can ignore it if he wants, and and I'm not sure what position that puts them in, but I believe they should go full steam ahead, do the impeachment because they're engaged now. Just put it to the floor. Put it in the kitchen arrow and let's go. And just see what happens. Old bull racing. I know. I know it. I'm, I'm, he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Put it yeah, in the kitchen. I, I look at the way you all the time, though. Yeah. No. Uh, Nabs, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, impeach will be yes. Um, there'll be a lot more people being subpoenaed and will be resigning, quote unquote. Volker? Um, already a, yep. a, 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 yeah. a, a casualty? He's, he's gone. Um, but but there'll be no conviction. He will claim that he was treated poorly and <laughs> and, and found innocent. Victim. Presidential harassment. Yep. But um. Okay. So then, but beyond that, I can't predict anything. All right. So I'm 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 with you on that. Uh, although there, I I still give a sliver of hope that he actually could could be convicted if the evidence is overwhelming and the people get on the side of the House. You know, I want to believe that because there's already been I, some Republicans I, jumping ship. But there, there was a guy, there was a Republican House guy uh, yesterday or today that said he's he's probably going to go to impeachment. There's been a handful over the last few days. So if you have if you have enough House Republicans go, how does that translate to Republican senators? That's, that, that, I don't that's, think it does. You know? 
Um, so then the big question is, does it help or hurt his reelection? And well, I think it. I definitely think it's going to hurt him. See, I, I agree. And 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 what the the Trumpsters keep want to point to is this emboldens us, right? This this look what happened. Clinton had a sixty-seven percent favorable he, rating. He wasn't running for re-election. And Gore lost. You know, and one of the reasons Gore lost is because he was in that box, right? He. He couldn't align he himself so with Clinton, <laughs> but on the other hand, Clinton had a favorability rating. So the other thing that happened was, uh, although the Democrats picked up a few seats, uh, they ended up losing more seats at the next election. And I guess even some of the seats they picked up, they lost some more, you know, they lost seats that they shouldn't have lost, things like that. They, they picked up seats that were easy to pick up, things like that. So net, they didn't come out ahead. They, they, no, net they did, but they lost some big seats. That's net to me. Okay. Um, That's where I'm at. And, and the other thing that I keep arguing is we're trying to draw conclusions on an impeachment when we have very little data, historical data. Like, okay, we've had one impeachment in the last 50 years, right? That's Bill Clinton. And then you had the one resignation. And then if you look at what happened in the resignation from Nixon, Ford couldn't hold on. So that tells me again that people weren't really behind. I mean, Ford took over, you know, just by default, and then he couldn't even hold on to his seat. Mm -hmm. So I don't buy the argument that this helps Trump. And as much as the Trumpsters want to continue to say, "Oh, this is great for his reelection," no. uh, I I don't buy it. I, I don't either. I, I think they're just. And I think I think they're trying to make themselves. And I think better. this was a miscalculation by Pelosi going back after the Mueller. And other things. I think it was a miscalculation on her part to think, oh, this might strengthen their their case in the uh, no, I agree. In, in the upcoming elections. I, I think now that it's pedal to the metal, I I do believe that it's going to happen, and I do believe that public sentiment will be eventually on their side. Yeah, I, I think the American people are smart enough, and it, they're going to yeah catch on. Not question. Yeah. So with how fragile Trump's ego is, how insane are his tweets going to be during this entire process? And how will that make him look to the public? Uh, the base still loves it. The base will love it. The base will always love it, though. They cherish but that's something that someone, yeah. a friend of mine brought up. Is we love he, the poorly educated. He's going to go off the rails and already has started that process, though. So what is he going to involuntarily admit to in a tweet well and stuff like that you don't know no, what I mean, happen. He, he's already by by saying this whistleblower ought to be treated like a a, a traitor a spy that, he wants him executed that's he, he he's already just yes. you know digging himself we're that seeing that. hole that's you know that's what he does i mean whistleblowers have protections especially when they follow the law this whistleblower did all of those things right you can't intimidate witnesses. He's doing, he, yep, doing he, exactly he, he's that. He's broken two laws in one tweet. And I saw earlier today that he is threatening to release dirt on Democrats if he gets impeached. Uh, that would be like extortion. That's blackmail, extortion, <laughs> we call extortion. Yeah. That's obstruction like of, just, of justice. He's withholding evidence. Uh, yeah. Right. So my reply was simply. Fucking release it then. Yeah, right. If you, if have, you have dirt yeah. on somebody doing something illegal, yeah. you bring it forward. You don't withhold yeah. it and say, well, I'm if I get it. in trouble, then they get in trouble. 
No, release it. If someone is dirty and doing illegal stuff, they get in trouble. That's it. That's the law. I don't care what letter is next to their name. I agree. I agree. I got a question, and hopefully it'll just be a kind of a quick answer. But All right. capital of South Dakota, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, That's not the capital of South Dakota. As far as the impeachment goes, just an opinion question. I think it's Pierre. See with us. I don't care. Okay. Pierre's um, the capital of South Dakota. South Dakota. We don't have any listeners. Fact check that. <laughs> Fact check that. Don't bother. <laughs> as far as the impeachment goes, <laughs> do you think they should just take this Ukraine thing, get it done, or do you think they should continue work on with the other five committees and, and try and like rack up a list of articles? Do you understand my question? I, I, I don't, I don't you have... think time is of the essence, get it done? I think so. They, they can't claim you're getting too close to the real Right, but why can't you do both? Like, like why can't you bring in some of those other articles, right? You well, know, you emoluments. Can, you can impeach and, more than once. Right. <laughs> no, no, you can. You can. I guess you can. What was yeah. the president that was the first one impeached? <laughs> they impeached him twice. The first time, he did not get... Johnson? No, no, no. What the heck was his name? I'm blanking. Yeah, okay, we'll look that up. I do that. But he was impeached twice. The first time, they didn't get him. The second time, I think the Senate went after him. Uh, I can't think of who it is. Jackson. Yeah, I think it was Andrew Jackson. Wasn't he? No. No, I don't think it was. Ah, we don't know our history. No. It doesn't matter. Where's that pint? You can impeach, as far as I know, kind of endlessly. And with this guy, there's no end to... The amount of times that we can impeach him. It, it's, it's all out there. It's all out there. So You can but impeach again, him on a daily basis by being on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Back to my question. Do you think they should just go for the Ukraine thing and, and hope it all stands? Or do you think they should... I don't mind them tagging on a few more articles. I think they, they need to go at least... 100% agree. Four to six articles because they may not all go... Because it's all going to just make it look so bad, right? It'll help getting... It'll help get public sentiment against him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that bothers me uh, uh, regarding this particular incident and why I don't mind tacking on more is you're starting to hear the defense, so what? That You know, the Lindsey Graham defense is this is not a big deal. So what if he asked, you know, a foreign country to interfere in our elections? They're trying to normalize everything. Right. And, and, and that, to me, is really dangerous i mean i mean this is a really big deal you know and and so that kind of bothers me a little bit on the on the so what we're not going to look at the, the the merits of the case because they don't matter to us you know okay all right well i think we have a beer fest to get to yep. so our ride is on the way oh really yep is it uh yep bubba yep get the andrew johnson andrew johnson Called it. High five. <laughs> nice job. Nice job, Nobs. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, let's uh, We'll be ready. tuning back in momentarily as soon as we get settled in at the beer fest or whatever we're going to – however we're going to manage this. We've flown if, by the seat of our pants in the past, but this may be yeah. a new level. <laughs> yeah. This may be Ukraine level. Flying by the seat of our pants. Bottoms up. up. Stay tuned. Out, guys. No, no, stay tuned. <laughs> Out till the beer fest. Okay, well, we're back. And um, 
We're obviously not at the beer fest. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> uh, this was an example of maybe like, you know, worst laid plans, and that's what you get. <laughs> best. What is it? Best? Well, I would like, but they, they weren't the best laid plans. See, that's. that's they, they were good plans. It just didn't work out. Uh so we went to the beer fest, and uh, so we're going to recap the beer fest, and we had a great time. Uh, our intention was to record from the beer fest, and due to technical difficulties, as well as at at some point in the Alcohol afternoon, individual, personal <laughs> uh, difficulties, uh, we have des- decided that there really isn't useful audio. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we... We live and learn. Uh, yes, we did. I mean, we did test the equipment, but I don't think we tested it under enough conditions and understood exactly how the equipment was going to respond. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, we probably should have done more there to either um, make adjustments or, you know, go a whole different route with it. But we are bottoms up, and it's uh, the one-shot studio, and we took a shot, and we kind of missed. But like I said, I think the next beer fest, and there will be another beer fest, uh, we will be much better prepared. Because the one thing for sure, and we talked about this during Saturday evening, uh, as well as probably like, you know, afterwards and the next day, walking around a beer fest with a microphone is a hoot. Oh my gosh. We made such <laughs> so many and such good friends that night. For, for the most part with people, right? For the most part, right. A microphone will definitely open people up. They drop their defenses and they want to talk. There, there are two types of people. And fortunately, most are the type A. Yeah. Let me talk into that microphone. And then there was those, and, and they were the exception that, I mean, maybe they were running from the microphone. Maybe they were running from me. Hard, hard to say for sure, but um, most of the people were more than happy to engage. Yeah, uh, I thought so. So we're going to discuss the beer fest, uh, a few of the beers, our own observations, uh, but we are back in the comfy, con- comfy confines Confine. of One Shot Studios where we go to the treasure trove for a beer. What do we got, Fred? Alrighty. This was a beer that was not at the Port Huron Beer Fest. Is this what you're looking for? Yes. Uh, we have an offering this week from Dark Horse Brewing Company in Marshall, Michigan. We have done a Dark Horse before. Yippers. And uh, because it's starting to feel like fall. Not today. Occasionally. Not today. It's, it felt like summer today, but it has been feeling like fall. So It was a beautiful fall day at the fest. Yeah, we'll get for sure. Anyways, that's what sort of drew me to this dark. It's a uh, reserve special black ale. And let's see. It's got a pretty good uh, graphic, uh, democratic graphic on the front there. <laughs> Donkey. <laughs> that's the way you see it. Yeah, sort of. It's a 7.5 ABV alcohol, so we won't be kissing our sisters tonight. Um I don't know. And it looks plenty dark. So here, take that one. Let's see here. We'll pour it up and see what we got here. You know, I was actually looking at the label, and I think, you know, our artwork isn't as crisp as it could be. No. I mean, it's only a step above those stickers I had printed for the Beer Fest. 
Which were a hit, by the way. I think everybody liked them. Um, so what is exactly is a black ale? What is what what distinguishes a black ale from a porter? Uh, I realize it's certainly not a stout, but well, I think you this know. is in the family. Maybe even being an ale, maybe even in the IPA family. I, I don't know about a porter and all that. So is it going to be the hoppiness then of a black ale? I mean, I still see that as rich and malty. Mm. And it's got to be low on the IBUs. Yep. Um, and it is. I don't, I'm not getting much bitter at all from that. No, I'm not getting much bitter. Well, maybe on second, try it again. Second, second sip, I got a, a bit more, uh, a bit more hops, but it's still low. That's what I'm saying. I, if you were to give this to me, I would think it was a porter. I wouldn't guess a black ale. And maybe because I don't know what a black ale is. Okay. You know, and maybe we should have asked that of somebody at the beer fest. But we were consumed with other things. <laughs> I don't remember seeing any black ales. <laughs> I hope that audio came through the as clear as what Fred just said. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so let's talk about the, 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 the beer fest and, and, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Again, apologies to anyone that was listening that we recorded, but really it was it was not useful audio. We 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 started to splice it up to see if there was something in there. There was a lot of static in the microphone, and uh, it, it, some of it might have been user error. Uh, so apologies to anyone that might be listening that was expecting to hear one of our interviews because we really had some. Uh, fun moments, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, met some great people, and it, it, it's amazing how you get like minded people in a place, and everyone's out. They want the beer, they want the music, which there was live music, which was good, and uh, just the, the whole community thing. And you, and you had said earlier there was a great energy there, and I totally agree. There, there really was. I mean, we were there pretty early. Uh, and thank you, uh, Andy and Trina for setting us up. They, they gave us yeah. volunteer badges. So we, you know, kind we of volunteered like we were, to drink. Beer. We looked like we were important. Um, but you know, even though the, at first we got there early the crowd was probably about a third of what it grew to or so, but there was an energy already. And, and, and I think we were amped up too, but, um, you know, there was a great vibe to, to the whole event. Um, in terms of, you know, square yardage it, it, it wasn't as big as kind of what i was expecting but i think that was good because it kind of kept people together yep. if it was too spread out i don't think it would have had that energy so they had two big tents set up for beer brands and breweries that didn't have like their full representation it, you know what i mean so uh you know there were a lot of in this i i had not been to a a beer fest before and, and Fred you had but there weren't um there, there were a number of beers there that just then you know shipped in some bottles or cans and asked the volunteers to pour them but they didn't have representation from that brewery right right um and some of those were from out of state 
you know, and we focus on Michigan beers, but we tried a few that were that were from out of state as well. But the volunteers were just there to pour the beer. The one thing I didn't do, and I really wanted to at some point, was to step behind the tables. Just but, start pouring. But I had my volunteer badge. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and I know I could have gotten away with it, um, uh, but um, alas, I, I didn't uh, did, didn't get around to that Note to level self, next time. <laughs> of debauchery, but and then they had a few of the the, the really big craft breweries uh in in michigan and they had their own uh, tent set up and i and i thought there was a real difference in certainly the the level of information you got from those guys that had their tent set up the the breweries that had the representation there did offer you uh, more information on the beers a little bit more knowledge uh than than just the volunteers did and it was also it was information not just about the beer and how it tastes, but they also were willing to talk about the industry and about their breweries. I mean, I, I remember with the founders guy, the first thing we asked him was, you know, you know, so tell us about the merger and is your quality, you know, going to hell? And 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 you know, he was happy to talk about that, and you know, he felt confident that you know it's it's still going to be a great craft brewery, and that and, and that was a, a good dialogue to have. Not that. It was all that important to us at the time, but um, it just, um, you know, I, I couldn't have that conversation unless it was somebody, you know, from the brewery, you know. I'm always tempted to say a factory person because that's kind of like my business is to say versus a representation, you know. And breweries, I suppose, are factories in some sense. But, um, yeah, so, you know, that was kind of the layout, right? You had the, the, the two big tents that were a mix of beers and uh, volunteers, and then you had the individual tents uh, or tables or booths, if you want to call them that, of uh, the major players. Well, one thing that you did forget to mention oh. was, was the backdrop. Mm-hmm. The beautiful mm-hmm. St. Clair River yeah. coming off of Lake Huron, and we were, the, the park was right up to the lake yep. and it beautiful park it made for a awesome background uh, it's a little breezy coming off the water but which didn't help the audio it, it <laughs> ruined the audio but it, it definitely added to the atmosphere i mean it felt like a fall day and i think beer fests are made for fall days i've been to one in the summer and it's just not the same thing when you're sweating balls and 98 degrees it's just not the same so i i thought the the it was it was Good weather, decent weather. It felt like fall. We were right on the water, and then they had a, a band playing, a live band playing the whole time. So yeah, and, and the live band made for nice, you know, background music, and 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 that was also getting picked up in the audio sometimes <laughs> as well. But the, the the you know without the music there, and it wasn't music that was overbearing, and the choice of songs they had, you know, they weren't they weren't trying to to dominate the event. So that also added to it. So it really was a, uh, I thought it was an excellent beer fest. You've been to more than I have, Fred. How, how would you rate it with other ones you've been to? Well, I think mostly because of the size, it's hard to compare them. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get into the big ones. Like the ones in the West Michigan. Yeah, like over in Grand Rapids yeah. and all that. They they bring, it's all factory, not factory, Brewery. brewery, yes, well, yeah, that's, yeah. sorry, it, it's all brewery people, and it, it's all taps, mm-hmm. and they normally, you know, we've gone, and it's normally in February and outside, so they have bonfires going, and uh, they have live music things, so 
Um, so the taps makes a difference. Uh, I, I believe so. Uh, so the, the the program here was, uh, you know, you got a cup, you got 15 tickets uh, with your cup, and uh, you got basically four ounces per ticket. And most of it, or not all of it, was poured either from bottles or cans. Right. So, you know, the, the breweries or... Um, the volunteers or whatever, they had uh, uh, big uh, tubs of icy water and they had the bottles and cans in there and then poured from there. Did you see those people that had their kidneys taken out while they were sleeping and they woke up in them, those tubs of ice? <laughs> I thought you were talking about at the event. <laughs> I was. Um, I'm surprised it didn't happen to me on Sunday morning. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if... It would have been better to have taps. I was fine with the bottles and cans. I don't know. Maybe it's like the, the deep buried snob in me. I, I guess I would have preferred taps, but I understand that has its own set of issues and problems probably to bring kegs in. and. Well, you, you, you certainly can't get the variety. Pressure. Yeah. Right? I mean, right, right. A, a lot of them no, have. No, no. And that, I was going to say, that's a, that's a positive about this is I think there were supposed to be 40 brewers give or take and 200 beers when, right. when you come in with taps you're not bringing in that amount of beer so yeah that that's a very good point that the the variety was pretty wide at, at the, the one we went you know but you, you, you i gotta believe that most of them seem to you know bring in their best and if their best met high abv well that's what they brought <laughs> there were a lot of Double-digit ABVs, in the, at, at least I thought there was. Maybe that's what I was drinking. But, you know, there, there were a lot of 10, 12s. Oh, absolutely. That was available with taps as well, but not quite as high. I don't, I don't remember, but it's been a while. You know, also, are, are you going to get the sours and, you know, those kinds of things and the ciders on the taps? Did they make kegs of ciders? I guess so, right? I've never seen one. So you went to the your your angle was to really try and branch out and try some things that you normally wouldn't try here or at home. Yeah, yeah, that that was my goal. Yeah, it lasted for a while. <laughs> no, but I I went um the the first beer I had was a watermelon beer, which it was not for me. Mm-hmm. And then I went for the sours, and. I think I had two because I don't believe I had it before. Right. We had talked about this before. Yeah. I thought we did. And I think I had two sours and I still don't think those are for me either. But it was accomplishing what I wanted to set out to do. I wanted to get away from the, the comfortable beers that I know I like and, and do a little experimenting. So. Yeah, yeah. I I had uh, I think one of the sours that you did didn't really enjoy it, and then I gave cider another try, and I, I remember as I listened to the poor audio clips, me telling you and Nobs, I'm about ready to dump this on the ground. <laughs> and you only had four ounces to deal. <laughs> he, he can't get through four ounces of cider. <laughs> uh, because there were just so many tasty dark beers there. I mean, I really felt like 
I was getting my fall winter back on with all of the great stouts and pourers. Um, you know, there, there was a couple of them uh, that really stood out. Um, one which was not from Michigan, which was the Big Bad Baptist. I think I had two of those. <laughs> <laughs> and again, very high octane. So that's where we started, right? I had two of those. Yeah. No, I come to think of it. I, I went back at least for a second one. I did it right in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I never left that tent. I, I went right back you in. Know, you know, towards the end of the evening, uh, my goal, uh, mainly because I, well, well, I guess multiple reasons, but my goal towards the end of the evening uh, after I had, you know, been, yeah, pr- pretty well, you know, uh, blotto, blotto, right. Oh, I got to, that's something else I want to mention too. But, um, my goal was to not give them tickets for beer. And you, did you? Yes. The, I was able to get away with it because of the microphone, because of the volunteer tag, or just because I would change the subject. <laughs> So I had a personal goal towards the end of the evening of getting my cup filled without giving a ticket up. I had tickets, and I, I had tickets when I left. I think I left with three tickets. I had more than four, 15 or th- more than 12 four-ounce cups. And so, if you think about it, you're not ripping anybody off. Oh, I didn't care about that. I didn't think. I didn't care if I was. <laughs> oh, but you're not, though. Technically, you're not. Um, you know, so I was. it was just a fun goal to have. So, yeah. Uh, Andy Trina, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, make sure uh, you you know you get me to pay it, pay it forward next year. I didn't even finish my tickets, and you may have also not paid every time. Well, that wasn't. I wasn't doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. though. I, was, I was being forgetful. Hey, the other thing <laughs> that you mentioned, and and I realized it when I was talking to people, especially again. I did have a chance to listen to some of the audio. Um, it's when you go to a beer fest and you're doing interviews, it's not really a great way to open up by saying, hi, I'm Blotto. <laughs> 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 you, you know, I mean, I, whether I am or I'm not, that's it. It, it doesn't really play well in that moment. Um uh, you know, we did, when we interviewed people, we did talk about our nicknames quite a bit because everyone always wanted to give us their real names. And we would say, hey, this is Pottoms Up, and we go with nicknames. So there were there were a couple decent nicknames that uh, that we, we ran into. Um, a shout-out to Moose. Do you remember Moose? No. Moose did not look like a moose. <laughs> uh, uh, she was oh, someone that you would not... Look at and think to yourself, Moose. Um, and then her friend Nugget. And we talked about how we know uh, some other people uh, called Nugget. Uh, there was a Splash and a Shano and a Bo and a Sir Bo and a Sergio. Sergio. And uh, Sergio seemed to be within that group like a favorite. Like when they said Sergio, they all shouted, Sergio. <laughs> when I was back in the Air Force, I, I, for a short period of time, was Sergio Wonderful. That was my nickname. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the girls I was in the military with, I don't know where she came up. We were out on a night of debauchery, and somehow 
she named me Sergio Wonderful, and it actually stuck for a while. <laughs> but it went away. But I always kind of chuckled when I when I heard Sergio. It kind of yeah. made me smile a little bit. Yeah, you know, people like playing the nickname game. You know, most people. In fact, I think if people don't have nicknames, they should work to get them. Because when when you're in that setting like we were at, and people are giving their nicknames, the odd man out is the guy that doesn't have the nickname. You know, he's feeling like I don't have a nickname. No one, you know, no one's ever given me a nickname. There were actually people there that didn't have a nickname and had to come up with something, and I, it was almost a little sad. That's right? what I mean. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, like, you haven't done anything stupid in your life that your friends all call you <laughs> this or that, you know, or, or some characteristic. You know, the other thing uh, when we introduced ourselves as beer, politics, and culture. Um, most people liked the triple theme. They understood, you know, they, they weren't pushed off at all when we said the word politics. Um, to a few folks, I would have to say, you know, I, I'd want to be clear up front. We're left leaning. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's people out there like leaning. <laughs> but um, the ratio between progressives and or left leaning and Trumpsters was what, Fred? I would say 90%. 90, yeah, 9 to 1. Nine, yeah, yeah. Not probably. Yeah. I mean, there was, the, there was the one gal that wanted to harass us. She was a Trumpster. Uh, and then there was the guy, and it was Bo. Yeah. Then it was the guy, Bo, who went off on one of the all-time great anti-Trump rants. Uh, you know, Bill Maher, Stephen Colbert, whatever, could not compete with this guy. And I know the audio would have turned out poorly, but that's what that only if I would have had the microphone plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter that the microphone wasn't plugged in at that time. <laughs> he grabbed the microphone from my hand. Well, yeah, you're missing a small part of the story. Because when we were talking to him, we were, of course, cautiously wading into the, the whole political thing. Yeah, that was early in the in the uh, afternoon. Wasn't he from Canada? He, yes, he was also he from was Canada. He was also Canadian. Yep. And we had asked them, because we're very interested in our Canadian neighbors across the river. Always. What, what they think of the nightmare they see over here. And he kind of gave us a, a tepid answer. And then... I don't know if it was you, Blotto, or myself, basically said to him, come on, tell us what you really feel. And that's when he erupted. It was Mount Vesuvius of Port Huron, and he uh, wove a tapestry <laughs> of vile obscenities. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, get him on the show more often. <laughs> But go ahead. And it just took him a second, right? Like oh, then yeah, yeah. once he warmed up. So with, he grabbed the mic from you, right? He grabbed the microphone from me. And uh, I believe it was at that point where the cord was pulled out of the uh, the phone, yeah. the, the, the 3.5 jack hole. And so we never quite got it. And uh, But it made our afternoon. Oh, God. That, that guy yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and overall, you know, I, I think even – the one or two Trumpsters we spoke to, you know, there was no confrontation, no. you know, 
Even the one gal that kept wanting to get in our face about it. She was coming back for more punishment. What was her name? I don't, and I couldn't pick it up either on that audio. But, uh, yeah, she just kept coming back for more punishment from us. And she was one of those people that would invade your personal space. She'd get yes in your face. Yes. Yeah. The, the other thing that about her was we couldn't even figure out where she was from. Well, she kept saying California, and I kept saying, no, you're from Canada. Well, there, you're right. There was Toronto, and then it was California, and then it was also, I think, I think she lived in Michigan. <laughs> so... Um, so you're not surprised she's full of shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, she was an interesting. I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, you know, I'm, she's not for me. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> you know, I, I did. Got to rate people the same way. We, she's not for me. We did talk to uh, uh, some of the breweries about our, ra- our rating system. They thought it was a great rating system. You know, how we don't really try and dog beers. I can say we had a few there that, um, uh, you know, maybe we, we probably were a little harsh on at the time, but you're tasting so many, you get to be a snob. There was one uh, that I want to bring up because I thought it was interesting how all three of us were on the exact same page without conversing about it. No influence from the other person because we tried it at different times and 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 that was the the bell's double cream stout and you know i had talked to knobs about it and he was like yeah kind of lacking you know just um just just sort of there and then you had a, a walked up to us at some point. I was with Clark. And I said, what are you drinking? And you're like, the double cream. And you're like, I think it's Matt. <laughs> and and my first reaction was, you know, I, I kind of felt like Bell's mailed that one in. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I, maybe we have learned something o- over the last uh, 11 months um, uh, about beer tasting a little bit that at least uh, our, our, you know, our, our taste buds are kind of on the on the same page a lot of times. And and a shout out to Jesse. Uh, I I know she probably wanted to listen, um, but uh, to to her interviews because she came back twice. Uh, she had the best descriptions ever for beer. <laughs> she was hilarious. Uh, one was it it smelled like that plastic toy you played with at your grandmother's house. <laughs> I mean, where, where where did that come where from? do you come up with that right? Um, uh, Clark also had a good one. I think it was about the sour, where he said it's it's like licking a battery. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of the other a uh, couple of the other beers that we liked, I think maybe hands down our favorite for the for for the afternoon was uh, Hazel's Nuts. Oh, by Odd Sides. I I think that may have been my all around fave. It's a bourbon barrel stout, and and it it just seemed to hit on all the right notes. Well, speaking of uh, Jesse, was it? Yes, Jesse. How, how about we give a shout out to the radio station? I believe she uh, okay represents WGRT one hundred two point three FM in Port Huron. I would assume. Oh, great. And uh, yeah. 
she, she uh, there was a little write-up that she had. She passed that along to us and gave us a little uh, shout-out to Pottoms Up, which we really appreciate. So, yes. Jesse, thank Back you at very you. much. Back yeah. at you. Um, looking at some of the other beers that we tasted, um, if we were to give an award to uh, best beer name, I, I would have to go with Tapestry Heartful of Napalm. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I liked that beer as well, uh, but Heartful of Napalm, uh, you can't beat that. Um, the other one that was... Well, let's back up a sec to my favorite beer, Hazel's Nuts, and it's got the bearded lady yeah. from, from the big top. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Very funny. And that was a good beer. The, the other odd sides, uh, Al, that I uh, gave a taste test to was the Dirty Dank Juice. I don't like that name, and I think that's probably why I walked by it. Isn't it funny? But dank, just something about hearing dank. Okay, I had never heard the term dank, or I should say, knew what the the, the term meant until we were driving down to the uh, music fest that I went to a week ago, and um, we Lewis heard a song Lewis. that was titled "Dank" or something, and it's like, "What's dank?" And then. Uh, I think Bucket told us what dank was, and and then all of a sudden it started coming up all weekend, the term dank. Uh, so now I know what it means. Well, it's got a, it's got a bad connotation to it. So well, what's it mean? It's a good connotation in a bad way. So oh, dank. Oh, the blues fest, so it's a bad way. No, 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 no. No, dank means the good shit. So if you got, if you got, if you got dank dope, you got the best pot. Really? Yes. Is this something new? Because yes. dank goes way back. No, no. Dank means good. Really? Yeah. Um, and there's a, you can read the, some Urban Dictionary about what, what how dank came to be. But yeah, if you, if, if you got the dank, you got the best. Hmm. I think that's a recycle of a word because I believe that word has no, it, it comes negative from, connotation from Well, in, in the... In the context of, say, like cannabis, it talks about dank meaning damp, right? Like your dank basement. And you, the best cannabis is going to have that oil, oily, moist feel to it. And so that's the best. The, the, the best, you know, pot is going to be dank. Okay. And, and now that has carried over to dank anything. So I think its origins in today's culture come from pot but then um you know now people use it in an urban way for just about describing anything so they call it dirty dank juice um you know again i have to you know read into that a little bit more but um i i, I was like thrilled oh dank hey i know what that means you know <laughs> pour me some of that samantha michelle <laughs> her name was samantha i kept calling her michelle <laughs> Again, there's some there's some really great audio that I wish everyone could hear. So, do you do you remember Fred when I believe I believe we were at the Old Nation Brewery and I called them Odd Sides, <laughs> and then they were like, "No, this is Old Nation." <laughs> Weren't they right next to each other? Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and then and then we go to the next one, and I'm like, "So we're at Odd Sides," and they're like, "No, this is Shorts." <laughs> 
Now, I, I probably was only a, about four or five four-ounce cups in at this point in time. So I, I shouldn't have been as bad as that, but I had no idea where I was at as I moved from tent to tent. But you know what that's like, though? If you think about when you drink a glass of wine, your first glass of wine makes your face feel warm, you get a smile, and you've got that stupid giddiness. And then by the second glass, you kind of come down a little bit and start building your buzz. That's sort of where you were. Yeah. You were in that little silly stupidity phase a couple ounces in. I bet you that's what it was. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and also, you know, I wasn't uh, really paying attention. I was I was more consumed with um, what I thought would make good podcast history. Um, anyway, I don't know if there's uh, more you want to add here, Fred, to uh, describing how our um, how our afternoon went. Well, yeah, uh, there is one more thing I would like to mention and kind of give a shout out to is how many of our Canadian brethren and sisters were there. I, I thought that was pretty awesome that they would come over and support uh, the Port Huron uh, Beer Fest. It, w- it was awesome to see how many there were. Uh, you know me. I you know, like- we asked Andy about that in the interview at, at Wolverine Market. Right. Um, and he, I, I got the impression that he didn't think that that many came. That was the impression I that, and I was expecting that number to be higher based on his what, what he said. And then when we started talking to people, I, I mean, again, we didn't talk to everybody. We we only harassed, you know, probably fifteen percent of the people there, right? Probably not even twenty percent of the people, right? And we see a group of people having a good time. We just interjected, stuck our microphone in their face, and said, "Hey, we're we're from a podcast, right?" And then they'd be like, "Hey, come on, come on, podcast." So it was fun. Um, it was a pretty good percent of people that we, you know, now maybe the Canadians, you know, they just have that friendly warmth look about them. That's inviting to say, Hey, Hey, you know, come come join us. So it was a high percent of people. I don't recall the name of course, but there was one Canadian guy we were talking to. Did you ask him about the up, up and coming craft beers of Canada? Yes. I, I didn't quite hear. He thought it was really strong, and I, 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 I think when you talk to people in other states and even other countries, when they talk about how it's strong or really coming on, I think they're coming at it from only their perspective of being in those states or places. You know, they don't realize, you know, where Michigan is in the top four or five states in the country in craft beers, right? You know. You know, they might be coming at more at it from, say, you know, uh, you know, an Ohio place, right, where where they're, you know, somewhere in the, you know, 35th also rands in number of crap. They're crap woefully breweries. buckeye. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, maybe the craft beer industry is better than I thought it was in Canada. And, of course, I didn't want to argue and be confrontational with our with our guest, but um, uh, he, he, he was he was trying to, to hype it up m- more than maybe I thought it would have been. Well, maybe since we handed out stickers and turned all sorts of Canadians on to our <laughs> podcast. And they were all they, Trump haters. <laughs> they will um, touch base with us and fill us in on where we should go in Canada 
if we want to tap into the epicenter of craft beer Canada. That would make a great episode. Be a great road trip. If we get the freaking microphone to work. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll take this one. <laughs> Look around our studio mic. <laughs> uh, we will wire it to the back of knobs. It'll it'll hang over him. Like he'll look like Sigourney Weaver in <laughs> an alien. <laughs> but um, uh, that would be that, if we if there's got to be some breweries, right? I I wouldn't think we have to go all the way to Toronto, which isn't that far. No, between Windsor and Sarnia, our our road trip we could we could enter in Sarnia, exit Windsor. We'll have to get a hold of Dan McDonald on ninety three point nine the river. He's in Canada. Oh, okay. He knows this stuff. Oh, the river's a Canadian station? Yeah. Didn't know that. It is. All righty. Anyway. Oh, right. what about the beer? We never really finished talking about it. No, I mean, we started. I, yeah. well, what, um, what do you say? I'm going to go meh on this. Meh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what I'm really discovering about myself with these really dark beers are I want that extra flavor. Whether it's black cherry, whether it's hazelnut, whether it's coffee, whether it's peanut butter, you know. Otherwise, you know, there were there were a few beers I remember saying, and that this is, doesn't help our listeners. Boy, this is really well balanced. Like I really liked all of the elements that I I'm tasting here. So, you know, th- this one here just, you know, it it it, it kind of just says, yeah, it's all right, but. Again, I wouldn't know this from a porter from an ale, so how good can it be? You? Yeah, I'm kind of meh as well. I mean, it's it's okay. I I would order another one if there was nothing else. If somebody handed me one, I'd be like, great, I like this beer. Yeah. But it's it's, it's fine. You know, but but coming off of an event like that where we got to taste so many really good ones, um, you know, I, I like I think it was the Big Baptist. I think they had a coffee flavor to it. Very coffee flavor. And and you know, so that's the kind of thing that I I might be leaning towards in uh, fall winter 2019/20. That was from Utah, I believe. I think according to your picture. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap on uh, Poho Beer Fest. Here on Beer Fest for 2019 and. Uh, I believe we will make an appearance in 2020. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And I think we have to do more. Yep. And uh, I think we ought to consider the Canadian road trip and uh, get some poutine. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Let's okay. wrap this thing up. We uh, Oh, where's Snobs, by the way? I wasn't even mentioning anything. Music <laughs> trivia, little bitch. <laughs> Bottoms up. Out. Out. Cause baby, I hate you Cause baby, I hate you Cause baby